Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, you were explaining the factors involved in carbon-14 dating, some of the crucial ones being the assumptions that must be applied when interpreting the measurements involved in the procedure. Yes, Scott. Carbon-14 dating is a commonly used procedure to determine the age of artifacts that are composed of what had once been living material and to interpret the results of the measurements of the carbon-14 in any given sample, scientists must make several assumptions in order to assign an approximate age to the sample. And what prompted your interest in the topic is an article recently published in the Creation Research Society Quarterly Journal that deals with carbon-14 dating and challenges a couple of the assumptions generally made by evolutionists. Yes, and by challenge we mean they claim on logical grounds and empirical grounds that those assumptions are faulty. With the result then being the carbon-14 ages the evolutionists report for many artifacts are wrong. Now, you had just started to discuss the specifics of the article when we ran out of time last week. Mm -hmm. And so in today's program, you're going to be discussing the article and reading directly from it. But before you do that, Dr. Scripture, don't you think it would be good to cite the authors and title of the article again for everyone? Absolutely, Scott. The article is entitled, Deep Time Philosophy Impacts Radiocarbon Measurements. The authors are Dr. Vernon Cups and Dr. Brian Thomas, and it's in the spring of 2019 issue of the Creation Research Society Quarterly, or CRSQ, Volume 55, Number 4. And we'll give that reference again later in the program in case anyone wants to write it down so they can look it up. Now, CRSQ is a technical journal, so it's not easily understood by persons untrained in the scientific field being considered. However, I've found the abstracts and usually the conclusions made in the journal articles of CRSQ are understandable for those who are already interested in the subject being dealt with. And so I am going to read from the article's abstract which is a summary of what the article reports. Now, first, what the term deep time philosophy in the title is referring to is the standard belief amongst not only atheistic evolutionists, but even old earth creationists that the universe is billions of years old, and even the earth is on the order of four billion years old. So what the title is alluding to is that the authors intend to demonstrate that that belief or philosophy related to the age of the earth and universe affects the measurements scientists take when doing radiocarbon dating. Could that be called letting one's assumptions dictate one's conclusions, <laughs> otherwise known as circular reasoning? It sure could, Scott. And what the authors of this paper do is show how blatantly the deep time adherents use circular reasoning when it comes to carbon-14 dating. So I'll start reading the abstract. And first, I need to explain who R.E. Taylor is. In 2018, R.E. Taylor and two other scientists wrote an article in the journal Radiocarbon criticizing scientists who challenge the standard assumptions used by evolutionists in their carbon-14 measurements. So now here's the abstract. Quote, the late R.E. Taylor and others have written technical materials that disparage results showing that carbon-14 persists in carbon-based materials dated by secular scientists to be millions of years old. 
Given the relatively short theoretical shelf life of carbon-14 to be no more than 100,000 years, the presence of carbon-14 in such samples challenges standard age assignments. Taylor attempts to refute these carbon-14 results by belittling them and claiming that those who present them misunderstand the background requirements of accelerator mass spectroscopy, AMS, procedures during the initial phases of carbon dating. In response, we first review the required analytical and logical steps used for standard carbon dating. This allows us to pinpoint the elements necessary to determine the presence or absence of radiocarbon in a given sample. For example, a Cretaceous fossil. Okay, let me interject here. Why they mention a Cretaceous fossil is because it would be claimed by deep time adherents to be anywhere from 65 to 145 million years old. Now, back to the abstract. Finally, we critique some of Taylor's arguments. We find that his attempted refutations fail due to a lack of supporting data, the presence of contrary data, the begging of the question epithet, in other words, circular reasoning, like you mentioned, Scott, and finally, and belittling in place of substance. So that ends the abstract. Dr. Scripture, it sounds like the article by Cups and Thomas is a response to the article R.E. Taylor published. Yes, the thrust of their article is responding to the criticisms by Taylor. And they publish a lot of data to demonstrate empirically that Taylor's assertions are wrong. Now, frankly, I don't have the expertise to evaluate some of the data they present because I'm not a physicist. However, I'm convinced they're not manufacturing false data. CRSQ is a peer-reviewed journal, and I trust their explanations and conclusions as to what the numbers mean. So, Scott, did you notice they cited four different objections to Taylor's refutations? They said he used circular reasoning, mm -hmm. that he did not provide supporting data, but instead tried to belittle the opposing viewpoint. Right, and that's three of their points. The fourth being they, that is, Cups and Thomas, do present data that actually contradicts the claims Taylor et al. made in their 2018 paper, which, by the way, was entitled Misunderstandings Concerning the Significance of AMS Background Carbon-14 Measurements. And that factor background carbon-14 measurements is the crux of the argument. Everyone accepts that the AMS procedures used to measure how much carbon-14 is in a sample are subject to background contamination from sources other than the sample itself. Sources like carbon dioxide in the air today mm -hmm. that has some carbon-14 in it, or from equipment that might have some carbon-14 on it. Well, very good, Scott. And another source is the possibility of carbon-14 from the environment being absorbed into the sample over time since the artifact, like for example a fossil, has been out there in the natural environment since it was deposited. So even though the carbon-14 that was actually part of the organic material has gradually decayed away, some of it could be replaced by contamination from the atmosphere or groundwater. What needs to be done, then, is the carbon-14 that comes from outside sources must be subtracted from the amount of carbon-14, if any, that is intrinsic to the sample in question. So here's what the article says, quote, The presence or absence of intrinsic carbon-14 can be reasonably ascertained from measurements once the carbon-14 background has been accurately measured. Note that thus far, 
no attempt to estimate the age of a sample has been made or is even necessary to draw a reasonable conclusion about the presence or absence of intrinsic carbon-14 in that sample. However, Taylor et al. start their argument by defining all carbon-14 sample measurements to fall into either infinite age or finite age category. They thereby bias the discussion in favor of the deep-time paradigm so popular among secular scientists. Uniformitarians describe a sample of infinite age as one for which it can be reasonably assumed with confidence that all intrinsic or residual carbon-14 that the sample originally contained has long decayed away. Wait a minute. So before they do any measuring to determine the age of the sample, they define the sample as having infinite age, assigning any carbon-14 they do find, no matter how much, as contamination. Mm -hmm. So why even bother carbon-14 dating something they determine to be of infinite age? <laughs> well, Scott, the deep-timers don't. Ah. <laughs> and when scientists who don't hold to the deep-time paradigm do take measurements of carbon-14 in those supposedly infinite age samples and show that contamination does not account for all the carbon-14 in the sample, scientists like Taylor say that one, we don't understand the difference between finite and infinite carbon-14 age determinations. And two, that we don't understand the definition and implications of backgrounds and sample blanks used in AMS-based measurements. And three, we don't understand the distinction between machine-based backgrounds and sample-based backgrounds in order to arrive at a net background value and four, we don't understand the effects of trace amounts of modern contamination on measured carbon-14 values when dealing with infinite age samples. Now, do you catch that all their assertions involve the idea that anyone who disagrees with them just doesn't understand what's involved? Exactly. It's very derogatory and condescending. But I really appreciate the way Cups and Thomas address this. They say, quote, we can quickly dismiss comments that merely disparage the creationist outlook in that such remarks have no scientific substance, hmm. unquote. So they choose to simply not get into grade school type name calling. And I appreciate that, too. I mean, we have to endure this ad nauseum in the media as it relates to politics and the like. There shouldn't be any of that in what is supposed to be the objective scientific evaluation of evidence. I agree. But it seems to happen a lot, even in scientific discussion. If you have no supporting data, just say your opponent is ignorant or old-fashioned, as though that somehow ends the discussion. Well, name-calling notwithstanding, facts are facts, and it's always appropriate to deal with them. So, with respect to the assertion that the young Earth creationists don't understand the difference between finite and infinite C14 ages, they write, quote, this supposed deficiency begs the question at hand, that is, AMS background carbon-14 measurements. The concepts of finite and infinite time carbon-14 age determinations are arbitrary definitions coined by the secular community. They have nothing to do with the proper measurement of carbon-14 in samples of organic materials, and even less to do with determining the presence or absence of radiocarbon in a sample. The more relevant question concerns whether the defined as infinite age samples are actually infinitely old in carbon years. The question should be settled by data, not assumption. And I'll stop reading there. 
What Cups and Thomas then proceed to do is present the calculations by creationists and deep-time adherents themselves, and they show that the amounts of carbon-14 they are measuring are substantially above any reasonable contamination values. And if there is any intrinsic carbon-14 in an organic source of carbon, by virtue of the relatively short half-life of carbon-14, that material cannot be millions of years old, let alone hundreds of millions of years old. It doesn't matter if you define it as infinitely old or not. So the bottom line is those samples cannot be as old as they assume. That's correct, Scott. But their deep-time philosophy forces them to ignore the evidence in favor of their belief system. It's very similar to how many scientists ignore the fact that unfossilized tissue and dinosaur bones demonstrates that it's impossible for those fossils to be a hundred million years old, as they claim. But again, their deep-time philosophy completely clouds their scientific judgment. So, Scott, give out the reference of this article we've been discussing again for those listeners that might want to look it up for themselves. It's titled, Deep Time Philosophy Impacts Radiocarbon Measurements by Vernon Cups and Brian Thomas, published in the Spring 2019 Creation Research Society Quarterly, Volume 55, Number 4. And published in the Book of Romans, Chapter 1, Verses 21 and 22, you can find this statement. They became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says.